As we begin our message, I want to ask you to think about what your deepest longings are. When you kind of have those moments where everything is quiet, where all the noise dies down, which doesn't happen a lot in your lives, but happens every now and again, when you shut everything off, so you turn the TV off, you turn your phone off, you turn the radio off, and there's just silence. When you have the opportunity to be alone with your thoughts, what are the deepest longings that you have, those deep yearnings that are right down inside of you? What would you say are the things that you're really searching for and really craving? And I want to take that a bit further to say, what do you think the people around you are searching for and longing for as well? As you think about the people that are a part of your family, the people who are part of your extended family, as you think about the people that you go to work with or that you go to school or uni with, as you think about the people who live on your street, what would you say their deepest yearnings are, their deepest longings? We're going to explore that a little bit today as we continue this series. It's called Final Words, where we're taking the time to be able to explore Jesus' final words on the cross. We've been using this as our Lent series to help get us ready for Easter, to be able to take some time to really enter into Jesus's journey, but specifically to listen to these very profound statements that Jesus makes while he's on the cross and to say, well, what does it look like for us to reflect on those things, but also uh, to follow Jesus as we put those things into practice? So, so far we have looked at four words. The first week we looked at the word forgiven recognising the amazing courage that Jesus had to offer forgiveness to all of those who were doing so much harm to him. The second week, we looked at the word rescued to recognise that Jesus wants to rescue us from the things that get in the way of us being able to experience the kingdom, life the way that God created us to live, but that Jesus wants to rescue us so that we can fully participate in the kingdom. The third word that we looked at was supported, recognising that Jesus wants us to support each other as spiritual family. And then last week we looked at the word abandoned, to recognise that even in those moments where sometimes we feel like God has left us, that God is always still there and still present with us. So today the word that we're going to focus on is the word thirsty. So you can grab your teaching notes out of Connect News and uh, if you've got your Bible with you, you can open up to John chapter 19 because that's where we're going to go in a couple of minutes. Today we want to rewind back a little bit as we get into this to recognise that today is Palm Sunday. And so what that means is that today is the day when we reflect on the reality that Jesus entered into Jerusalem to be hailed as this incredible king. That there are all of these symbolic things that happened. All of the people uh, waved palm branches and they put coats down on the ground and they shouted out things to say, Jesus, you are our king. You're the one who's going to come and set us free. And there was this enormous sense of joy and expectation about what that was going to look like. That's what happens today. And yet we know that as the week unfolds, all of those people end up leaving Jesus. They all turn on him. And by the time we get to Thursday, instead of shouting, Jesus, we want you to be our king, they're shouting, Jesus, we want you crucified. And we would rather have this known criminal, Barabbas, set free rather than you. Jesus ends up being mocked by the same people, some of them, who were in this crowd who were shouting out how awesome Jesus was. Ultimately, as we've reflected on over the last couple of weeks, Jesus is abandoned by all of them. He's deserted by everyone except a few very, very close friends. The crowd not only turns on him, but they all completely disappear. 
And so once again, we want to challenge ourselves to say, how must Jesus have felt about how this week has played out? Sitting on that donkey as he enters into Jerusalem and all of the expectations about what that could look like, and yet only days later, here is Jesus on the cross, working through all of the things that we've spent the last few weeks talking about. It's in the midst of that that we read these fascinating words from John chapter 19, verses 28 and 29. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so he soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. Again, there's only a couple of verses that we're going to look at today. And as I kind of started my prep earlier in the week, I was like, oh, that's not very much. (laughs) How are we going to find enough time to be able to talk about things? But as usual, there is plenty to be able to unpack just from these very few words that we've got here. And the first thing is to recognise this amazing statement that John makes. Jesus knew his mission was finished. Jesus knew his mission was finished. And as I was reflecting on that, I was thinking, what would it be like to be able to get to the end of your life and to be able to say, I have done everything that God wanted me to do? That's a pretty staggering statement, really, for Jesus to be able to understand. But as we unpack that even more, it's even more staggering because we recognise that Jesus was about 33 years old when this happens and we're aware that Jesus probably spent about three years doing the ministry stuff that we have got recorded that we focus on so much. And yet Jesus was able to say, my mission is complete. My mission is finished. Now just stop for a minute and think about all of the other things that Jesus could have done if Jesus had stayed around on earth longer. Think about all of the other people that Jesus could have healed, all of the other people that Jesus could have taught, all of the other people that Jesus could have said, come and follow me, do life with me and I'll show you more about what God's kingdom is all about. Think about all of the opportunities that Jesus didn't get to have because his life finishes at this point. Even more than that, think about the disciples. We regularly talk about the reality of how little the disciples really understood what was going on. You have to think that there was a part of Jesus who was like, I think I maybe need to stick around just a little bit longer because you guys don't quite seem to get it. We probably need to go over this at least one more time because it's quite clear that you don't understand everything that's about to happen. You think about Jesus could have hung around and spent a lot more time teaching his disciples so that they really got it. You think about what we've just talked about, about this day, the reality of Palm Sunday, all of the expectation that was there as a part of this entry into Jerusalem. All that could have happened if Jesus had made the choice to say, I'm going to continue to kind of get the crowd into things. We are going to start this revolution. We are going to overthrow the Romans. Let's go and do this. That could have been another direction that Jesus' mission could have taken. And yet here is Jesus on the cross, able to say he knew that his mission was finished. So I was thinking about that to say, well, what would it look like for me, for us to be able to get to the end of our lives and to be able to say, my mission is finished. I have completed the work that God asked me 
to do. Now, that's a pretty big thing to think about as we think about our whole lives. But in reality, that comes down to saying on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, am I able to say, I have done the work that God asked me to do? Because each day, if I get up and say, God, what have you got for me today? And then at the end of that day, I can say, yep, I did what you asked me to. Then at the end of my life, I will have done everything that God wanted me to do. But the challenge for us in that is to not think about all of the things that we could do because that can feel really, really overwhelming. But to say, what are the things that God is calling us to do and to have the courage and the strength to be able to say, and that's enough. That's all that I need to do. Again, as we enter into Jesus' journey, we recognise this reality that he could have done all of these other things, but he knew what God was calling him to do. He knew when that was enough and he knew when he was able to say, my mission is complete. So for us, that takes some time to reflect, to say, well, what is our mission? What are the things that God is calling each one of us to be able to do? And it's helpful to think about the different parts of our lives, to recognise that for those of us who have careers, that's more than just a job. It's more than just going to work on a daily basis. Our job is our vocation, our calling. It's a place where we have the opportunity to be able to do the work that God is calling us to do. So whether that is that we work in housing, whether that is that we work in nursing, whether it is that we work in social services, whether it is that we work as a pastor, there are opportunities for us to be able to say, God has work for me to do today in the people that I encounter, in the things that I do, in the time that I spend. As we think about our families, we've got opportunities to be able to live out our mission in the way that we love our spouses, for those of us who have spouses, in the way that we love and raise our kids, for those of us who have kids, in the ways that we support our extended families, for those of us who have extended families. All of those things are opportunities to say, God is at work here and I have a role to play. Many of us are involved in lots of different volunteer areas. And so when we go and volunteer places, we're making a huge decision to commit time into different organisations that are making a difference in people's lives. That is a part of us being a part of God's mission. And what we do when we gather here together, the opportunity that we have to remind ourselves about who Jesus is, to centre ourselves on him, to be able to take the time to effectively get our mission briefing for the next week, to be able to say, Jesus, what have you got for me in this week that's coming up? the opportunity that we create a space for people to discover what their mission looks like, that's what happens when we gather here week after week after week. All of those things are a part of what we throw together in this phrase where we say, God's calling on my life. Sometimes we can think it's this big profound thing where we have to hear God speaking to us in a loud booming voice or write something up on the wall. But at the end of the day, it's just the daily things that we do and recognising that there are things God wants us to do as we go about our daily lives. So are we taking the time each day to say, God, what have you got for me today? With the people I'm going to connect with, with the things that I'm going to do, what's your mission for me today? And then are we confidently throwing ourselves into those things to say, I'm going to give everything that I can into the opportunities that God puts in front of me this day? But it also means that we need to be diligent in choosing to say no to some things that might be really good things, 
but aren't the best things that God's got for us. Sometimes we can feel overwhelmed because we're just trying to do too much. And we're trying to do some things that might be really good things, but are outside of what God's mission is for us. I think it's an amazing idea to be able to say, at the end of each day, can I say, I have completed the mission you had for me today, and that's enough. And then the next day, to be able to do the same thing, and the next day, and the next day. Jesus then makes this really amazing statement in the rest of verse 28, where he says, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. And this is a really important statement for Jesus to make because it reminds us again about the reality of how weak Jesus is feeling. That Jesus, as we have talked about so many times, isn't just this superhero who's kind of hanging on the cross pretending that he's suffering when he's really not, or this spiritual being who doesn't really experience pain at all. As we talked about last week, Jesus experiences these significant feelings of abandonment, being left alone. And here we have Jesus saying, I am thirsty, an experience that we know everyone who was crucified went through in very, very significant ways. Now, part of why Jesus says this is to fulfill a number of prophecies that are a part of the Psalms. And a lot of the things that Jesus fulfills are prophecies that were made about him to help us be able to understand this is actually the Messiah, the rescuer, the one who was going to come and fulfill all of the things that we believe the Messiah was going to do. What's fascinating, again, as we reflect on today being Palm Sunday, is that so many of the expectations of the people in the crowd was that the Messiah was going to be this conqueror, this all-powerful king who is going to come in and overthrow the Roman army. And yet so many of the prophecies about Jesus, including this one, are about weakness, are about him struggling, are about him going through incredible pain and suffering. But to me, there's also an opportunity for us to be able to say, what are the things that we're thirsty for? As we reflect on this journey that Jesus is on and what it means for us, What are the things, as I said at the start, that we are yearning for, that we are craving for? Because it is often in those times of darkness, in those times where things seem to be falling apart, in the biggest challenges of our lives, that we really uncover the things that we're most thirsty for, the things that we yearn for the most. It's why sometimes it is really important for us to go through difficult times because there are lessons that we can learn in that that we can't learn at any other time. And not about you, but certainly for me, when things are going well, I hit the cruise control button and everything just coasts along. It's only in the times when things are hard that I really stop and reflect and spend time thinking about what is really going on. What are the reasons that I'm struggling in this moment? And what does that teach me about what I am really yearning for and longing for. Now, we don't just have to go through difficult times to be able to unpack what that looks like. That's why it's so important for us to regularly pull away from activity, to be still, to be silent, to take the opportunity to face the fears that often lurk inside of us, to face the thoughts that we often don't want to really face, the things that we often want to run from. Because in those things are lessons about what we're really yearning for and craving. Ultimately, the answers to that usually end up being things like peace, relationships that are in harmony, having a sense of peace in our relationship with God, purpose, 
meaning, being able to say, I crave being able to have an answer to the question, what is the point of life? Belonging, acceptance, being able to know that there is somewhere that we belong, that we are accepted for who we are. Those are all things that we crave, but that's also all of the things that all of the people around us crave in significant ways as well. And for us, we believe that that thirst is quenched the most through Jesus. But the challenge is, so often we turn to other things to try and have our thirsts quenched. We turn to our achievements. We turn to other people. We turn to religious practices. We turn to Netflix. We turn to ice cream and chocolate. We turn to YouTube and TikTok and scrolling endlessly. We have all of these things that we turn to. And none of those things are necessarily bad on their own. But if they become the things that we think are going to fulfill us, or they become the things that we use to numb ourselves from really processing through the things that we're longing for and yearning, that's a problem. If we try to find fulfillment in these things, then they can ultimately end up being what we're told that Jesus ends up getting to drink which is sour wine, wine that's mixed with vinegar, that's not really the real thing, that's not really very pleasant, doesn't really actually do anything in terms of being able to quench his thirst. So many of the things that we chase after often are like sour wine and don't allow us to really have our thirst quenched the way that Jesus wants us to. Ultimately, if we want to get to a place where we can say, I have completed the work that God has for me to do. It requires us doing the work of saying, what are we really yearning for and longing for? Because in those yearnings and longings, we discover the place that God's got for us, the things that God wants us to throw ourselves passionately into that then allows us on a daily basis to say, I'm doing what God is calling me to do. So we're going to take a couple of minutes to reflect on what that looks like shortly. But before we do, I just want to address one question that came up for me during the week as I was reading through this. And you might have thought about this as well. There's an interesting contrast here to say, hold on a minute. Last week, we talked about how Jesus was offered this soured wine as a way of mocking him. And yet here, we've got Jesus saying, I'm thirsty and effectively asking for that. So which of those two things is true? And to take that a step further, you might also be thinking, I'm sure that there was this point where Jesus refused sour wine. Like, wasn't there a time when Jesus said, no, I don't want to drink something? Isn't that a part of the Easter story and how that all fits together? So it's a good question for us to to dig into. And what we want to be able to name is that there is a difference between Jesus, uh, as is recorded in Mark chapter 15 and Matthew chapter 27, refusing what's called a wine and myrrh mixture, which was effectively uh, a painkiller that was offered to him. So earlier on, not while Jesus was on the cross, Jesus was offered this painkiller that was generally offered to anyone uh, who was being crucified to be able to say, this will help to numb the pain as you go through what you're about to go through. And Jesus says no to that, which is another reminder about us, uh, for us, that Jesus wanted to enter fully into the experience of what was going on here. He didn't want this to be numbed. He wanted to be fully present through all of it. So that was a separate thing that happened. But then we also have this question, well, did Jesus ask for it or was it just kind of given to him in mockery? And my answer to that would be to say that we have these words recorded that Jesus did say he was thirsty 
And my sense is that that then leads us into what we unpacked last week, that Jesus says, I'm thirsty. And you can imagine the people at the foot of the cross all kind of looking around and saying, well, what can we give him to drink? And there wasn't any water lying around. There were these jugs of sour wine. And there are different schools of thought on that. Some people would say, well, the sour wine was sitting there uh, because they had that at the foot of the cross for anyone who's been crucified as the thing for them to drink. Other people would say this was just a really common drink that the soldiers used to enjoy, and so there were jugs of it sitting around all over the place. This wine mixed with vinegar, which was obviously therefore a bit cheaper, and so that was around the place, and so they went, oh, there's some, let's give him some of that. We still believe that the people offered it to him, not out of a sense of sympathy or empathy, but what we talked about last week. This is a way of prolonging Jesus' death so that we can continue to mock him as we unpacked a little bit last week. So hopefully that helps to be able to see that there's no contradictions here. While we're doing this Q&A series in a couple of weeks, sometimes there are these things that we say, yeah, but hold on, how can I trust this if it seems like there are contradictions? Most of the time there aren't, but it takes a little bit of work to be able to unpack it. So coming back to our focus today, I want to give us an opportunity to do a little bit of reflecting ourselves. And so the question that we're going to use is to say, what does it mean to allow Jesus to quench our thirst as we journey towards Easter. As we head into this Easter week, what does it look like for us to process what it means to allow Jesus to quench our thirst? And there's three ways that you might like to reflect on this. The first is to say, am I aware of what my thirsts are? Going back to that question at the start, do I know the things that I'm really yearning for and craving? If not, what does it look like to take some time to reflect on that? to take some time to turn the noise off and to be able to sit and say, what's really going on inside? What am I really yearning for and longing for? For some of us, it might be an opportunity to say, what are the things that I'm trying to quench my thirst with? I might be aware of what some of those longings are, but if I'm honest with myself, I know that I'm using all of these other things, either as a way of saying, well, that's going to fulfill me, or as a way of saying, this is going to numb me, numb me from the feelings that I'm experiencing around this. Both of those are very dangerous roads for us to walk down. And so what does it look like for us to be realistic about that and to say, how can I pursue Jesus instead of those other things to have my thirst quenched? And for some of us, it is more about being able to say, what does it look like for me to allow Jesus to fill me up so much that on a daily basis, I am aware of what my mission is? That each day I am able to say, Jesus, fill me up enough that I've got what I need to be able to do the things that you want me to do today. So that at the end of each day I can say, God, I have done what you called me to do. My mission is finished for this day. I can close the book on it and start again tomorrow. So depending on where you're at, you might want to reflect on one of those questions or some of them might be intertwined, but take a couple of moments. You can feel free to chat with the person next to you, jot some thoughts down on your teaching notes, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll pray and transition to communion.
Let's pray together. Jesus, when we think about all of the ways that you could have fulfilled your mission of allowing us to become a part of God's family, of doing everything that was necessary for us to be adopted into God's family with all the rights and privileges that come with that. It's staggering for us to recognise that this is what it took. It seems like there were so many other ways that that could have happened, and yet this is the journey that you allowed yourself to go on to be able to make these things right. It's amazing to us to recognise that you were able on the cross to be able to say that your mission was complete. That as we'll reflect on on Friday, you were able to say those words, it is finished. That everything that's necessary has been done. We thank you that you would do all of that, that you would go through everything you went through for us. We thank you that because of that, we're able with confidence to be able to explore what it means for us to understand those deep yearnings and longings that we have, the deepest thirst that we've got, and to understand that all of those things can ultimately be fulfilled and quenched through you. That on a daily basis we have the opportunity to come to you and to experience peace, to experience acceptance, to experience belonging, to experience purpose, to discover meaning, that all of those things we can experience as we connect with you. And that as those thirsts are quenched in our lives, we then have the privilege of being able to be on mission with you, that as we step out into this week, into all of the things that are ahead of us, each day there are things that you've got for us to do, regardless of what those circles look like. Every day is an opportunity for us to participate in the work that you are doing in people's lives and for us to be able to do that in such a way that at the end of each day we can say we did what you called us to do this day. I pray that as we head into this week, you would fill us again with a sense of confidence about who you are and what you've done for us and that you would give us a sense of inspiration and excitement about what it means to partner with you in the missions that you've got for us. In your name we pray. Amen.